This is the Morning Sports Desk for Monday, May 1st. And the payoff pitch is strike three called at 93. And Reyes strikes out looking. And there are two down. Once again, the 3-2. He struck him out, swinging on a slow curveball. And the Royals leave Olivares at third. Sonny Gray having another great start as his nice month of April continued. Sonny Gray helped lead the Twins to an 8-4 victory over the Kansas City Royals yesterday. The Twins won three out of four games against Kansas City over the four-game weekend series, which, as I told you Friday morning, or, yeah, I believe Friday morning, said the Twins should win at least three out of four against this bad Kansas City team. It's really hard in baseball to beat a team four times in a row, but... The Twins were able to win three out of four against the lowly Royals. And the Twins, by the way, in first place in the AL Central, have a three and a half game lead over the Cleveland Guardians. But again, doesn't really matter too much considering it's only May 1st. But Sonny Gray, yesterday, as we take a look throughout the box score, continues his great season. Looking at the box score, Sonny Gray went six innings, gave up five hits, only one earned run, only walked one, struck out seven, and has his season ERA, his earned run average, is .77. So if he were to pitch a nine-inning game, which is how that stat is calculated, he is only given up. He averages only .77 runs, less than one run for every nine innings he pitches. It's pretty darn good. And Sonny Gray is a Cy Young favorite already, which is insane to, to think about uh, because the Twins just haven't really had a pitcher be as dominant this long in a while. Sonny Gray is the culmination of just years and years of the Twins taking flyers on older pitchers who have kind of lost a step or two or maybe fallen out of favor with the national kind of with national fans uh, across the country. But the Twins are like, ah, let's see if we can get something out of this guy. Now, Sonny Gray is a little younger. He's a little bit probably the best example. But you look at other guys the Twins have rolled in there. Levon Hernandez in 2008. Remember him? He was the opening day starter, and he got DFA'd in August. Um, if you want to look at bringing in J.A. Happ, who is an all-star with the Yankees and the Blue Jays and pitched terrible in Minnesota. If you want to look at Homer Bailey, who the Twins brought in in 2020 and I think maybe pitched five innings. Rich Hill, who is, again, uh, an all-star in his own right and just, I think he's still pitching, actually, with Pittsburgh. But again, just an older pitcher. He was effective but wasn't great. And there's just been guys constantly down the line that the Twins have taken flyers on and it just hasn't worked out. But Sonny Gray is the exception. He's the guy that the Twins say, we think there's some good baseball left in this guy. They traded for him, and Sonny Gray is really, really good. So let's take a look at the other highlight of the game yesterday because, man, I got to go to the game on Saturday. Of course, that's the one game of the series they lost, but not bitter about it because uh, I got to see Byron Buxton absolutely destroy a baseball and he crushed the thing into the bleacher seats in left field. And I thought, wow, Byron Buxton home runs are really great in person. Except I was watching the game on TV yesterday, and then this happened. 
Runners lead stay. The 1-1 pitch. A high drive. Left field and deep. Back it goes. Deep it goes. And gone. Upper deck for Byron Buxton. Did he unload on that one? A two-out, three-run homer. His seventh of the year, and the Twins take a 4-0 lead. Yeah, you heard that one right. Byron Buxton hit it into the third deck. So in left field at target field, there's the bleacher seats that are on kind of the field level. And then there's the little second deck that most people, when you crush a ball, hit it to. Byron Buxton hit it to the third deck. It went a projected distance of 453 feet. That's a moonshot. That's a missile. That is a cannon, a blast. Dick Bramer on the TV call said it best probably when he said we have liftoff because Byron Buxton sent that baseball into orbit. He's got a team leading seven home runs tied with Joey Gallo. Uh, Keep Byron Buxton healthy, man. Just keep that guy healthy because when he does, if you look at OPS, which is on-base percentage plus your slugging percentage, Byron Buxton, only two guys in baseball have a higher OPS since the start of the 2020 season. That's Mike Trout and Aaron Judge. Safe to say that Byron Buxton, when healthy, is one of the most elite players in baseball. And of course, that's a big if. I understand. I understand his health is a concern. The Twins understand his health is a concern. That's why Byron Buxton is only playing designated hitter. He's not playing the field at all. And if you see him run the bases, he still just looks a little out of sorts, looks a little janky. So keeping those steps minimized by keeping him off the field is probably for the best. Uh, And Michael A. Taylor is playing fine in center field. So uh, that's also kind of where it is. Doesn't make kind of the, the gamesmanship of Buxton being your best athlete, not being on the field. Is that a little weird? Yeah. But would you rather have Byron Buxton's bat in the lineup? every day compared to you know being in the field and only playing twice a week at best and you know, it's you kind of have to you have to kind of figure out which way you want to cheat a little bit and I'd have I'd rather have Byron Buxton's bat in the lineup any day of the week and that's saying something considering Byron Buxton's perhaps one of the greatest fielding center fielders I've ever seen uh anyway Buxton hits bombs the buck truck if you will you've heard that uh kind of said aloud on twins broadcasts or on ads or whatever uh but the buck truck is whenever byron buxton gets a double or like just a big hit or you have a home run he'll run down the bases pulling his left arm down like you know like a like you do when you're driving past the semi on the road and you move your arm up and down to try and get the guy to pull his horn And that's what he does. It's the Buck truck because Byron Buxton's dad was an over-the-road trucker in Georgia. So that's kind of a nice little call-out to him. And so when he runs the bases on a home run, the Twins will also play the semi-horn. They're just like, "Uh, uh." anyway. uh, So the other important thing in this game is that the Twins finally have their own home run celebration, and that's really cool. So... What hap- What every team in baseball does now, because there's a camera right in the dugout, is that they'll have some kind of celebration or tradition. The Blue Jays started this. Whenever they hit a home run, you'd put on this big denim jacket. And now other teams are doing it where the Boston Red Sox, you jump in a laundry cart, and they kind of push you down the dugout, and you go right into the camera. Uh, now for the Twins, they finally have their own celebration. And it's of Pablo Lopez's idea, the pitcher, Pablo Lopez. He, when Byron Buxton hit the home run, he had no idea this was coming yesterday. He walked into the dugout and Pablo Lopez gives him this fishing vest, you know, like the uh, the khaki fishing vest. 
And then it's got on the back, it just says land of 10,000 rakes. And then Buxton gets a little like kitty fishing pole and is just sitting there in the dugout pretending to cast it. I think it's great. It's perfect. It's hokey. It's corny, but also it's very fitting. And that's exactly what baseball should do. Uh, I like it. I think it's good. I'm glad they, uh, glad somebody was able to figure that out. One last thing on the baseball train, and I'll move off it for a second, is the weather's finally getting warmer. Wolverines Weekly, we had a chance to talk to all of our spring coaches in the show, and they're all excited to be able to get back outside consistently. The weather looks to be turning around this week, starting to warm up and be sunny and and all that good stuff, so we can start to get those games in more. We're hoping to get some games on the broadcast schedule this week, and uh, weather pending, of course, and we'll see where it goes with that. So go check out Wolverines Weekly, WadenaRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It's our coaches show with Wadena Deer Creek, and I might add uh, that we are going to do some games this week, we're hoping. And finally, Town Ball is starting up, of course, this coming weekend with games kicking off. And over the next couple weeks, everybody will get in on the action for amateur baseball. And we're looking to do a segment uh, on KWAD and on our website, WadenaRadio.com, where we uh, go over some scores and schedules for amateur baseball, looking to do it on a Monday, Friday sort of thing. We're giving you the little tease that this is something that we're having in the works, and more information on that will come. But this is uh, just a reminder for all of you listening that we'll put something out on the Facebook page in the coming days as well. It's kind of a call out to all those teams and coaches and fans of the local amateur baseball teams across the region as we'll do little updates throughout uh, the week. Uh, kind of updating you on the last weekend, on the games from the weekend before, and giving you an up, a look ahead to the games for the weekend to come. It's going to be really exciting. We're really uh, excited to get that project kicked off. So that's your little tease. We'll have more details to share soon. All right, the Minnesota Vikings finished up their draft over the weekend, and they ended up drafting about seven players in all, I believe is the number, and the Vikings did not have a second-round pick. Their third-round pick uh, was a cornerback from the University of Southern California, just like the Vikings' first-round draft pick, Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from USC. Uh, so the Vikings needed to get that defensive back help. They also added a couple other defensive backs in the draft. One is from LSU, and, you know, I just think uh, with this draft... Look, it's not going to be flashy. I don't know really what to expect out of this draft class outside of maybe the top two picks and Addison and Becton. But, you know, it's it, it just kind of is what it is. The Vikings did not have a lot of draft capital to work with. Um, they are going to have to figure some things out. But next year, they should be able to have a better draft. They'll have all their picks. And keep in mind, the Vikings didn't have a second-round pick because they got TJ Hawkinson from the Detroit Lions. So that helps out as well, uh, kind of softens the blow a little bit. But anyway, Jordan Addison was able to meet with the media for the first time on Friday afternoon, and here's what he had to say about the idea of getting to play with Jefferson and Hawkinson and K.J. Osborne and, and the running backs the Vikings have. Here's what he said about what he envisions his role to be. So the role for me, I'll I just leave that up to the coaches and make sure that when I come in here, I can run routes all day and I'm ready to work. But 
just coming into a great receiver group as a as a young receiver or a young rookie, that's what you want. You know, a lot of great receivers that already proven themselves that I could go learn from. So that was Addison talking about his role in the offense and getting to play with all the weapons that the Vikings have. Uh, based on listening to this guy's press conference, uh, just seems smart, uh, or at least you know, kind of seems like he's got a head on his shoulders. I don't know how if he's a brainiac, but seems like a guy who kind of gets it and just very soft spoken. It was very uh, kind of nice to see. We'll we'll have to look and figure out what his role will be as training camp. Uh, gets here and mini camp and all. There's a whole bunch of stuff. The season doesn't start until September. I think we're think we're okay. But uh, getting to hear from him was nice. The Vikings, of course, took uh, a couple different players that were interesting. They took a running back out of the University of Alabama, Birmingham, and he could be another running back into this room to add with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison and Ty Chandler. Of course, there's a bit of controversy with Dalvin Cook. We don't know if the Vikings are going to cut him, if the Vikings are going to trade him, if he's just going to be on the roster. Dalvin Cook uh, kind of having a bit of dispute with his contract there. Same thing with Zadarius Smith, the defensive end, and the other defensive end, Daniil Hunter. Uh, those Now that the draft is over, expect those situations to at least have more traction on getting resolved soon. But Kwesi Adolfo Mensa took a quarterback in the fifth round out of BYU, and it kind of leads to the question, you know, the Vikings were thinking about drafting a quarterback. Kirk Cousins is on the final year of his deal. And basically, uh, here's what Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, the Vikings general manager, had to say about his quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Kirk, Kirk, yeah, Kirk doesn't need to show anything to me. Kirk, Kirk is played football at a high level before I got to the Minnesota Vikings. Last year, we won 13 games. I don't know what he would need to prove to me or anybody else. Um, when you go into a contract negotiation, you're trying to come up with solutions together. Um, it's not just what Quasey wants or the Vikings want, or it's even what Kirk wants. It's what we can do together, it ultimately puts together that Lombardi. And sometimes you come to a place where you decide, hey, let's talk later. Let's let this, this is a solution for now. That's all that's, that's happened. And then this year in this draft, we found an opportunity to get a player that we frankly thought should have been picked long before then, and it was there. That player there. that Kwesi Adolfo Mensa is talking about is quarterback Jaron Hall, uh, and he was out of BYU in Utah. Uh, so that's the Vikings draft. And the interesting comment about that with about Kirk Cousins is that he said, you know, Kirk doesn't need to prove anything. It's given the a politically correct answer. He doesn't want to tick off his quarterback. Whatever. I mean. Not saying he doesn't mean it, but you just have to kind of word it that way. But basically what he said is, we could resume contract negotiations for an extension of Kirk Cousins. That is still on the table. It's still on the table that they draft a quarterback next year. It's on the table that they sign a quarterback or trade for a quarterback. All options are on the table is kind of what Quasey is saying, and I'm okay with that. Let's just see what happens, and we'll kind of let everything play out. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Monday, May 1st.